it was it's called like the DuPont mansion or something. It's in like Delaware and is related to like the DuPont family that like makes chemicals and shit. So like, uh, is like a big historical like mansion. Um, and they said that they went to like do take some pictures inside this mansion and nobody was in there. So they like went in real quick to like take some pictures. And my boss swears that he saw a ghost, like, like a, an orb, like go across like um, a balcony and like close a door. No, what? And they, they like, um, they looked through all their pictures too to see if they could like find any like photographic evidence and they didn't have anything, but like he swears up and down that he saw a ghost. <laughs> Hey, I'm Brandon from Promises Cap Collective. This is the Hey, How's It Going show. I'm here with Connor Rothstein of Cemetery Tapes, which is a YouTube channel based on filming musicians playing their music. Connor is also in two bands, Wild Dust and Nonfiction, as well as the, being the creative director of New Hope, No Hope Records. Hey, Connor, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. Hanging in there, quarantining. You know how it be. Oh, that good stuff. Yeah, the quarantine, man. I've been trying to buy stuff from Guitar Center for like two weeks now, and it just hasn't been working out. Oh man, what you been trying to get? Uh, some cables for my mixer and stuff, and uh, trying to upgrade my mixer as much as I can, make it do all the cool stuff, and I just resulted to ordering on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there. I've, it's, I've used Amazon more than I like to admit over the course of this. Yeah. yeah, I'm just hoping it doesn't take too long to ship, but you know, it's whatever. But what you do? Better than wait until like June. Truly. Yeah. Cool. So, um, all right, man, plug everything you want, and then we'll start out with the first question. Oh, man. Um, well, my name's Connor. Um, I run a YouTube channel, like we were talking about, called Cemetery Tapes, where I'd film um, musicians, you know, acoustic sessions, live shows, stuff like that, mostly. Uh, occasionally do music videos, but like to focus more on the, like, live performance stuff. Um, playing a couple bands. Uh, do a lot of photography, too. You know. Stay busy. Try to be a creative guy or whatever. I don't know. Where can people find you at? Like, uh, so my YouTube channel is called Cemetery Tapes. Uh, you just go to YouTube.com/c/cemeterytapes, and you'll find all my shit there. Um, and I, for my photography, I have an Instagram account, which is just my first and last name. It's at Connor Rothstein, C-O-N-N-O-R-R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N. And then I'm in two bands, uh, one called Nonfiction and one called Wild Dust, and they're both streaming. You just look them up. They'll show up. Fantastic. So how'd you get the name Cemetery Tapes? <laughs> uh, so I knew you would ask that question. At the, I had nothing to do with the name. It kinda, I inherited the name because when this all first started, um, a friend of mine named Luke Morsa was trying to put together like a local music blog. Uh, to showcase all like the local bands in our local music scene. Um, and I was like the director of the video portion of the blog. And then after two weeks, nobody else did anything with the blog, but I just kept rolling with it for years and just kind of took the name because it was there. It worked. Um, there you go. But yeah, I think if I remember right, it has something to do. He came up with it somehow based on a lyric from a, uh, uh, no, what old gray song or something? I don't know. Okay, that's what I've heard through the grapevine. Neat. Yeah, when I first saw that, I, I immediately thought you were a record label that did tapes, and I think yeah. I heard you up about it. 
See, yeah. that was like part of the idea that he had at first too, is he wanted to be like a local record label for like all of our local musicians putting out tapes and stuff. And then like, it all just kind of didn't come, come together quite as much as I think that he had hoped it would at first, but the name stuck. And I feel like the name kind of fit for the YouTube stuff. Cause like the tapes kind of has a lean towards like VHS, like video shit. And when I first started off, I did a lot of like old analog, like, I would film musicians on like my dad's old like VHS tape recorder. So that's pretty neat. Okay. Cool. So how did you get into filming artists playing music? So I got into filming artists um, when I was like a young kid in like middle school and stuff. I would always like make videos with my friends. We would just make dumb home movies. We used to make like stop motion animation with Legos and stuff like that. And so that was definitely like a passion of mine long before I ever started playing music. Um, when I was in high school, I learned how to play guitar and started playing bands and stuff. And very quickly kind of like dropped out of like being interested in like the video filming thing and kind of just transitioned into like wanting to be in the bands, stuff like that. Um, and it wasn't until I was an older and like late college that I found that I could combine those two things. And I kind of like took a renewed interest in wanting to try video work again, but this time I wanted to like do it with musicians. So I kind of like got to combine the world that I had found myself in with music, with my old passion of doing video stuff. And it kind of just like came together and felt really natural for me. And just like, it's never been a struggle to do it because I've always enjoyed doing it so much, you know? All right, cool. That's uh, that's awesome, man. Um, now you've recorded sessions with some pretty big bands. How did did you ever get to hang out with the Hotelier at all? <laughs> um, not, not really. But that was kind of a funny story. So I kind of ended up at that show because one of my friends' bands, who was a local band in our scene, um, they were called Space Cadets. They got this gig opening for the Hotelier, um, at a college, um, at Penn State, I should say, um. And so I went out to like film them and then you know, it was just there. It was just like a show in like a vape shop slash record store. And I just like was like, all right, I'll film Hotelier because I'm here too. Like I loved Hotelier. I had been going to their shows maybe like six months or a year at that point. I guess I forget whether goodness had just had come out just before that show or came out just after that show. Um, but like I filmed their set and then afterwards Christian, the singer, came up to me and thanked me for filming. And I helped them load all their gear out. Um, so I got to like hang out with them a little bit. It was funny. They were the um, way they loaded their gear out of this venue was there was this window behind the stage that took you right out to the parking lot. So they literally just hauled all their gear through the window um, and just climbed through it. And it was very funny. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I haven't heard goodness yet, but I think my favorite is home. Like no place is there or something like that. I, is both are great records, but Goodness is absolutely one of my. I heard that one. I heard the signal off of Goodness. What is it called Goodness Part Two? Yeah, I think that was a single. Is it was that the acoustic one? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like my, it's a really good song. I loved it. I just haven't heard all of Goodness yet, but I think I have it even. I just haven't listened to it. But yeah, I love the Hotel Air. Um, give it a spin if you get a chance. It's absolutely one of my top five favorite records ever. Like everybody's doing that thing on Twitter. This week, that was like name four records, no skips. That was hard one of mine. Yeah, I'll have to listen to it. I definitely have it. I know I do. 
I just haven't like actually sat down and give it a good listen yet. Um, there's a World Is album I need to do that with, uh, too. I can't remember what it's called. Um, loneliness or happiness? Ha- what? Harmlessness is it that that's the one? Yeah, sure. Harmlessness. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the one I need to listen to too because I'm friends with uh, Nicole Schoenholz on Facebook, and I, I work with her on cassettes and stuff. Awesome. Um, and I found out that she was the one that wrote like basically the whole album, like before she left the band. And I was like, oh my god, I need to listen to that. Why well, haven't I listened to that yet? But. <laughs> I don't know. Like World is is like one of my favorite bands while while she was involved, and uh, you know then they you know she left and I'm not really interested in the band anymore. But um, that music style is just fantastic to me. You like the World is? Never really got into them. It's a little too like for me. I have a hard time with like music that doesn't have like a like typical like verse chorus kind of structure or like plays yeah. with that kind of a structure so bands like the world is and more like maybe progressive oriented yeah. bands kind of just don't catch me in the same way um but like i've been on tour with my friends and like they've put it on i've always like enjoyed their sound passively it's just never been a band that like i've listened to i got it yeah yeah i can, I can definitely understand that because they do have a, they are different but I think they're more like that now, but not back in the day when, like, 2012, 20, through 2015, you know? They were different. That's why I liked them, but I don't know, like... um, Yeah, anyways, I'm, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But uh, I guess we'll just ask them this question, which would be, what? which recording are you most proud of so far? Um, I... Like, what recording of, like, stuff that I've done, I assume? Yeah, like your your videos. Oh, my video stuff. Um, hmm, that's a really good question. What am I the most proud of? I guess for me, a big one. Um, it's tough to say if I'm the most proud of it, but it was definitely like one of the most. Because there's a lot that I'm very proud of, but one of the most like influential ones. The kind of set me off in the direction of like wanting to do this was early on I filmed um the band Pine Grove had a big show at um a place called First Unitarian Church in Philly which is like a legendary like DIY venue it's in the basement of a church they've been having shows there for what 20 or 30 years like it goes back to like the early 90s and it's just one of those like really cool like DIY spaces where it's not like a live nation venue. It's not even like its own independent venue. It's just like a company that like books out shows at the basement of this church. And I've seen some of the craziest shows of my whole life. There, it's just like a kind of a small stage and people just like go wild jumping off shit at hardcore shows. And there's never like any security. Um, so it's a really like cool, intimate space to see a show. Um, and I filmed Pine Grove play there a couple months after their, their record Cardinal had started to like take off and really gain a lot of momentum. And the show was sold out and just like totally packed full of kids who were all like hardcore fans, knew the lyrics to every song. Um, and it was within my first like two months of filming shows. And so I just took my camera there being like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, but I love this band. I'll try filming it and see what happens. Um, and it just turned out to be like one of the most special 
it, it just felt so good to capture a moment that was clearly so special to like so many 200 people who were there. And like, if you watch the video, you can hear dozens of people just screaming all of the words almost louder than the singer, which is like a really cool, special thing to me to see like that level of like audience participation. Um, so after I did that video, it really kind of like set the tone of like, oh, this is the kind of way that I would want to capture a live performance. Like for me, like I like to set up my microphone like towards the back of the room because I feel like for bigger shows, I like to get the audience singing along because I feel like that adds a lot of like re realness to the space and like is the more special part of the performance than it, 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 well, maybe not more special, but makes it more special than if it's just like a clean audio of like what's going on on stage, you know? Oh, for sure, man. That'd be, that sounds pretty cool to, uh, you know, get the audience aspect of it. For sure. I just, I just want to like make shit that like as a fan of a band and like I've felt this way about tons of bands over the years, like you would just go watch live concert videos and like feel like, oh man, I wish I could have been there, but I'm so grateful that somebody took this video so I feel like I can be, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've watched full shows on YouTube before and it's been pretty cool. Like, you see stuff that you don't normally see and, you know, the music and, you know, just an MP3 and, uh, like, I'm not a huge fan of live shows, but I've watched, like, brand new live on YouTube and a couple bands. I think I've watched, like, Panic! at the Disco and it's pretty... I, lo I definitely like that people do it because if uh, you want to watch it, it's there. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you like cassette tapes? Yeah, I have a bunch of cassette tapes. I actually wish that I had them displayed out with my record collection back here, but they are um, currently oh, in those my are records. Bag. Yeah, these are all my records. I have a lot. Oh my god, that's is there is there more shelves? Oh, there's three shelves I see. And then there's some there, and then there's more here, and then there's more on the other side of the room. That's a good, like, that's like at least $5,000 worth of records. <laughs> uh, at least. I have, um, there's a website called Discogs where you can like, yeah. log your record collection, and it tells me that my collection is worth like between 10 and 15 grand. Or, yeah, yeah. 10 and 15,000. It looks so. real, it sounds realistic. I mean, I've got 50 records, and that's like $1,000 worth of vinyl. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I bought them all at like Newberry Comics and stuff, so they they were expensive, too. So. Mm -hmm. But then you get, like, the cool, like, variants and colors and shit that, like, yeah. you can't get anywhere else. So, I mean, that's that's wild. Um, that's a lot of, lot of money in records. <laughs> I used to work in a record store, um, so I got a lot of them there. Uh, for a good price and i just i've been collecting since high school so it just has spiraled yeah out of control i'm pretty much happy with my record collection because i got like most of the bands that i really enjoy like i have everything brand new I ever did on oh, I, got, I got my whole brand new collection right uh right here dude when i got devil and god when they finally repressed that and i was able to get like it wasn't the original but i don't care about originals or anything i just was able to get it on vinyl i was so pumped <laughs> I found out they repressed it and then they repressed Dejan Tendu and I was like, oh, it's all coming together now. I worked in um I worked at the record store when they did that like repress of Deja. Um and they did like the record store day pressing like a month before like the 
main pressing came out or whatever. And I remember begging my manager being like, please let me have one of the two copies you got, got. Cause I'm such a huge fan. And, um, he just kept being like, I can't give it to you. There's like kids who've been calling in all week, like waiting in line, trying to get it. And I remember walking into the store that morning, like an hour before we open. And he's like, I have this for you. I'm hiding it in the back. Don't let anyone take it. And he gave me one of like the two copies that the store had. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that. And then uh, you ever heard of the band Misser? I've heard of them, but never listened. All right. I love Misser. They're one of my favorite bands. It's like Tim Landers from uh, Transit. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah. And this other guy from I think the name of the band the, I think the band he's up from is called the Story of the Year. They're okay, yeah, yeah. band. It was like them that came form this like little super group, and um, they made Misser, and uh, they put out two EPs, no two EPs and a and an album, and then they kind of just fell apart, but. They like the the one album they put out is like one of my top five. It's uh I don't even remember the name of it right now, but I I finally like I looked for it for like a long time on vinyl and I could never find it. I didn't even think there was one. And I I seen on some website like on Facebook mm-hmm. that was uh somebody was selling it and I was like this has got to be fake, but I'm not passing this up. So I sent the dude like thirty bucks and I was like he shipped it to me and I got it and it was real and it was like I was so psyched. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to check that out. I love Transit. Yeah, Transit. Like he left. He ended up. I think he got kicked out of Transit, but he was like Tim Landers was like half of the writing process of that group. He, him and like the singer would like most wrote most of the songs together. Didn't and, uh, is did Tim is he the guy who died last year? Yeah, yeah. Tim Tim had Tim like was an amazing musician. He was in every band he ever was a part of. I like what I loved. Uh, he was in Colt. He started Cold Collective. He was in Off and On. He was in Misser, Transit, and I think there's one more I'm forgetting. What's but, your favorite Transit record? Uh, probably Listen and Forgive. Classic. I'm not huge on Transit. I like his Tim Lenders' other stuff more, but... Okay, interesting. Um, Transit's pretty cool. I still like him. I, I think I have Listen, for, Listen and Forgive on vinyl and CD as well. That's that much that I, that I get on vinyl, so it's got to say something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like I like music. I think I'm really big into the cassettes, though. I'm like you know since I've since like 2014, I've I've only got like 12 cassettes because I kind of stopped collecting. I went broke, but I'm working on collecting more again and uh, printing my like recording my own cassettes for Promises Kept and stuff for like other people. Mm-hmm. So like I've got one like order I'm working on now for I'm. Um, I'm releasing uh, this podcast called the Who's Right Podcast. They wanted one of their, uh, like, a special episode to release on cassette as a joke. <laughs> okay. It's like, you know, put our podcast on a cassette. That'd be funny. So I was like, all right, I'll do it for you. <laughs> so I'm releasing their episode of uh, their podcast on cassette. And I just ordered the the materials. So that'll be coming in, in the next two weeks. And I'll record them all and send them to them. That's but, awesome. Yeah, so I'm still releasing my own cassettes and working on that. Got my cassette player right here, uh, right over here. But um, yeah, I've been playing around with that and having a good time. I love cassettes, man. When we finish with the interview, I'll have to get your address. I'll send you a nonfiction tape. Dude, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, I love nonfiction. I want to play one of the, one of your songs later too. Um, I'm only a little worried that is it on if it's on Spotify, it might get copyright claimed if I play it on YouTube. But um, true. 
but I'm I, last time I did that, I had a, a rapper come on the show and he did a freestyle and I played a video off YouTube and it got copyright claimed. But the only thing that the only problem was I just couldn't monetize the video, but I can't monetize anything anyway because I'm not big enough. So yeah, I'm not worried. Jimmy, about it. In my experience, I've had, I have the same problem filming shows like almost all the time, even if it's a live performance of the song, the YouTube algorithm will catch that it's like yeah. a copyright and won't let me monetize it. But even then, like there's, you have to get so many millions of plays to even see a small amount of revenue yeah, that like it's ultimately yeah. not really as long as a as long as it's not a copyright uh strike you're fine copyright claims don't mean much as, yeah as, if you're a small if you're a small youtuber or anything but um yeah I'm, i used to be able to make money off youtube i never did i made like 52 cents but <laughs> i was able to and then like i think in 2017 they took that away and for everybody, if you have like I think under a thousand subscribers or something, you have to have like either a thousand subscribers or I think forty thousand watch hours or something like that. That's crazy. Ridiculous. It's uh it's yeah, it's it, they made it incredibly hard, but I never made anything anyway, so I'm not tripping. That's do you know um, do you know Hate Five Six is that channel? Hate five six. I think I've heard of it. It's like a very big like YouTube live show channel, but it's mostly like in the hardcore scene, but it's like astronomically huge. Like the by far the biggest like live channel for that kind of music that exists. And that guy lives in Philly and we're friendly. And no matter and like he's been doing this for ten years, has you could look it up. I it, I would be surprised if it was less than ten thousand videos on YouTube and like homies still can't like make any revenue from youtube like he like makes his money on like patreon and shit there you go yeah it's rough on youtube they make it harder every year <laughs> unless you're like a, a blogger type then you know yeah <laughs> that's crazy like they took down conspiracy videos and i'm not like a huge conspiracy theorist i i'm not i don't believe a lot of them i just like watching them because i think it's interesting stuff like mm -hmm. these ideas that these 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 people throw out there so like um a lot of times ridiculous it's just fun to watch but like you can't it's so hard to find them now because youtube takes them down yeah my, my girlfriend's the same way she loves to watch the conspiracy shit just for just because it's amusing um but yeah especially like with all the fake news the way that youtube has come down on like fake news and stuff within the past like two years yeah it used to be like all i'd watch is like that and the like ghosts caught on tape videos <laughs> I, I, that's what, like, all I would like watch, and I've watched all those ghost gone tape videos and stuff. And then I s moved on to like the monster ones, and I'm like, nah, it's dumb. I just like the ghost ones, but <laughs> the conspiracy videos are like so hard to find. Like even the five G like conspiracies are like fading, which I totally don't agree with because I, I work on the five G network, so I, I know what it's all about, and mm -hmm. it's not causing people. It's not causing coronavirus. I know that, but. Um, I just think they're nuts. Like people actually believe that, like flat Earth and stuff. It's like, have you like, have you heard about the guy who like built a rocket to launch himself into orbit, uh, to see if the Earth was flat or not? He had like a whole crowdfunded thing and everything. No, that's insane. He did it and died. <laughs> oh, was this last year? Yeah, uh, I think it was early this year. I think I remember reading something about that because I think I remember reading about like some guy like dying in like a homemade rocket crash, but I didn't realize it was like related to Whenever, like, it's what you're talking about. Whenever that was, I thought it was like maybe the end of 2019, but um, yeah, he, he did it. And then like something went wrong and he crashed and died. That like, sucks. 
all of that money like to see if the like I think that was his second launch too. Um, because he I think he had successfully launched it once or something, and like just didn't get high enough. I don't know the whole story. I just know he failed and ended up dying. <laughs> and people were like, "Oh my god, the government meant the government like." Uh, tried to uh, mess with his rocket and stuff, and all this kind of other crazy conspiracies spawned on it from it, and people are nuts sometimes. Yeah, it's I like I it's hard to tell if people are trolling, like with the conspiracies, or they actually believe it. But <laughs> still interesting, for sure. But anyways, um, so do you believe in ghosts? That's a good question. I. I've never seen a ghost, so it would be hard for me to say that I believe in ghosts, but I definitely am not somebody who doesn't believe in ghosts. I would say I very much believe the possibility that that could be out there, but I've never experienced it for myself, so I can't say that I'm a believer either, necessarily. Alright, well, do you have any ghost stories? Uh, not personally, though I did I kind of have one where I worked for a wedding photography business. Um, I hear it. And I was not here for this, but my bosses told me a story about how they went to, um, they were doing like an engagement shoot at this um, mansion. That's like a wedding venue. But at the time, like the mansion it was it's called like the DuPont mansion or something. It's in like Delaware and is related to like the DuPont family that like makes chemicals and shit. So like uh, is like a big historical like mansion. Um, and they said that, they went to like do take some pictures inside this mansion and nobody was in there. So they like went in real quick to like take some pictures. And my boss swears that he saw a ghost, like, like a, an orb, like go across like um, a balcony and like close a door. No, what? And they, they like, um, they looked through all their pictures too to see if they could like find any like photographic evidence. And they didn't have anything, but like he swears up and down that he saw a ghost. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, he said he saw an orb? He, he didn't describe it as, like, a human figure. If I remember right, it was more like an orb or, like, a like a presence. Not necessarily, like, he saw, like, the figure of a person. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Reminds me of, like, just when you said that, it reminds me of, like, Pokemon. You remember you played Pokemon Snap as a kid? Oh, of course, yes. I remember, like, the ghost characters, like, Ghostly or what, Ghastly and, like, Haunter would always show up on the camera as an orb unless you had that special, like, thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I wonder if it's like that. Like, you just can't see it. Like, ghosts show up as orbs. Because you always hear that when people, oh, I've seen orbs flying around. Or you can see the orb on the camera. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just some kind of technology we don't have yet. Who knows? Who's to say? I, I certainly am not going to deny the possibility you know yeah no i don't believe this it's a technology but uh it's I, it's it all just interests me like i'm i'm skeptical on the ghost thing because i i'm same as you i've never seen one but i have had some like experiences i can't explain um like just crazy things that it just i can't explain like uh, i had an experience with a ouija board once um mm, uh, I, I asked a question in my head so like nobody heard it that was playing with me and it answered correctly on the board. So I was like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> and I don't remember what the question was. So it makes it trying to sound like I'm lying, but I just, I can't remember what it was. It was specifically, it had something to do. Um, hang on, maybe it was like one of my relatives birthday or something like that, but it was something that nobody else around me knew. 
the answer to. So I, it was just, it freaked me out. Cause I was like, how did it answer that? Right. Nobody around heard the question I asked. And so nobody knew what it could have been. And it just, it was, it, it blew my mind. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> That's crazy. But I mean, that is too. I don't want to take up the whole segment talking about that because I've told these stories before, but um, yeah, just uh, this one time my buddy was going into uh, this haunted, um, like supposedly haunted hospital mm-hmm. uh, where in here in my state in Rhode Island, and it's called the lad school. And he would, they went in there and he was walking, he was walking around with his friends. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden this, they heard this loud crack and then a whoosh. And then like the whole building shook bang. And like, they were like, like all the, I say like a lot, all the dust in the, that was in the building just shook down and they couldn't see anything. So they just started running around looking for exits and they lost each other. And they finally regrouped at the main entrance. And then they seen that the elevator doors were blown open and uh, the elevator had crashed to the floor. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So it's not exactly ghostly, but it's kind of crazy coincidence that of all the moments for that to happen, they happened while they were in there. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, just weird things that happen. Um, I love all that stuff. All right, cool. Uh, so tell me about the band Wild Dust. Um, so I was saying that I used to work at a record store. Um, so Wild Dust formed with me, um, one of the guys who I used to work at the record store with and a friend of his named Dave. Um, and it's kind of like, um, a, a, like a bluesy punk band that kind of like sometimes pulls a little from like old school metal. Um, it's very, very fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We have been a band for, I guess, three or four years we have two I guess we have like an EP out and then like um like a two song release um I play guitar in that band um last year we kind of like didn't do a whole lot and then this year before you know the lockdown happens we like finally got back together and we're like okay let's like we're gonna get together and like write a new collection of songs to record before the end of the year um but then obviously we haven't practiced in like a couple months because of all the shit that's been going on um but yeah, that's a very, it's a, it's just like fun to play stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like riffing. For real. You know, rocking, being loud. Yeah, it's good stuff. I heard it and I liked it. It was definitely, it wasn't like my favorite thing. I like, I definitely loved like nonfiction, but Wild Dust was really good. I can tell you guys have a lot of talent. Thank you. But it's just like fun music to play. It's just like fast riffs, just like being loud rocking the singers like screaming but it's fun doing live shows because the singer like really likes to go all out and like be very performative like he'll like get on the floor and start like rolling around and like doing crazy shit like that um that's a ton of fun and we have three guitar players so it's just like a wall of sound so we can just like kind of like for me i like to like kind of go off and like rock out and then not too worried about like playing correctly because i know there's another guy right next to me who's playing guitar too so like one of us probably has his nail on it so that's wild dust awesome dude um yeah if you're out there listening check out wild dust you can find them on spotify um all right uh so tell me about you being the creative director of no hope records 
Sure. So um, there's a local Philly um, independent record label called No Hope Records that last year around this time signed um, my friend Sean, who plays in nonfiction with me, but he has another band as well called 2319. Um, so No Hope Records signed his other band, 2319, um, to do a release of their first record, which I will pull out here on, from my collection which they pressed on vinyl, which is very cool. I took that picture that's on the back. Um, so it kind of all started when my friend Sean signed to this label and needed help like getting artwork together for the record, like needed needed someone to make the layout, someone to like um, do the artwork. Like the cover photo is um, actually a picture of an embroidery that my girlfriend made. Um, Nice. So it started off with like, I just kind of helped my friend Sean put this release together. Um, and then the guy who runs the label, whose name is also Sean, confusingly enough, but they are spelled different, um, just kept asking me to help him out with like the next release after that and the next release after that. And it just kind of got to the point where like, he's like, yo, dude, do you want to like jump on board the label and be the creative director and help like assemble all these, everything we're working on? And I was like, absolutely. That's you know, all, I've, all I've ever wanted to do, really. So um, it's very cool. Uh, we recently put out, I guess, the most recent release we did on the label is um, an EP called Fine By Me by a band called Inner Love from Long Island um, that I absolutely love. Um, and I shot the cover photo for it, which was a ton of fun. And it's definitely like um, one of like my proudest work uh, moments as a photographer was like getting to like give a photograph that I had taken to like a band to like get them to like release it and press it. And, you know, when the records come in after the coronavirus is all over, I'll be able to hang it off my wall and that'll be very cool. That'd be awesome. Cool. Um, all right, sweet. So that's awesome. Uh, do you have a car? I do have a car. What do you think about when you're alone in your car? I usually listen to NPR when I'm alone in my car, so I'm probably thinking about how fucked up the world is. All right, cool. Um, yeah, that's uh, I my dad listens to a lot of NPR. I don't, I don't like the news, but um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Hey, I honestly, I never, I was always big on like feeling very powerless about like politics and like not being interested in the news as a result for most of my life. And then a couple of years ago, kind of like had a revelation where like, I suddenly realized that like, it was important for me to like be aware of what's going on in the world and start like participating in it. And I couldn't just be a passive observer forever. Um, so like just started like getting into it after that. I don't know. I got scared you were going to drop out again for a second there. You kind of started skipping. But uh, you, I heard you said you were a passive observer. So, um, cool. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I just, it's I don't like the news. It's too depressing. It is, it is always depressing. And it's definitely, like, a fine balance between, like, okay, like, at some point, if, I'm, if listening to it is making me feel too shitty, I got to turn it off and listen to some music or do something like that. Yeah, for real. I don't know. I just try to stay away from it. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm already, like, a, a mess in my head, so it's, like, I don't need any extra help doing that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, and I will say, that like, um, 
around the time that I had this revelation where like I became more interested in like politics and like news in the world and stuff was like about the same time in my life that like my de my depression that I always had like started to like get a lot better overall. So like my overall mental health definitely started to improve, which allowed me to like make space for something which is like not conducive to like mental health. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Um, so what I want to have a clip from nonfiction that I want to play, but first off, tell me a bit about more about the band. Um, sure. Um, so nonfiction started off a couple years ago, a couple years ago. Um, it kind of rose from the ashes, I guess you would say of a local band who I used to tour and do photography with. That was like a pop band, very like 1975-esque. Um, they were called FV, um, but they were banned for a couple years and then they broke up, had like a falling out. And uh, their bassist, Evan, who also like recorded and produced all their stuff, um, wanted to start a new band. And he showed me the first song that he had written for this new band, which was the song, an acoustic song that is at the end of our first EP that we have out now. The song is called One. Um, and he just sent me this demo for this song one day over the summer. And it was just the most beautiful song I'd ever heard. I listened to it on repeat all day and sent him a message. And I was like, yo, dude, if you ever like are trying to like look for people to put this band together, like, please let me know. I would love to be a part of it and help out any way I can. And he's like, yeah, dude, you want to play guitar? You want to play bass? And I was like, well, shit, I'm not like a good enough guitar player that I feel like I, I want to be the lead guitar player in this band. So I'll, I'll give bass a shot. I've always wanted to like be a bassist. Um, so I joined the band on bass and he had had a drummer lined up already who he had jammed with a couple times. Um, our drummer, Joey, who he had been in another band with previously, you know, that's everybody's always playing with each other and forming new bands out of old bands kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, and last, no, not last fall. I guess it was the fall of 2018. We recorded our uh, EP or record, whatever you want to call it, that we have out now called Same Pain. Um, we recorded it in three days in a cabin in the woods. That was an Airbnb that we rented. Just took all of our gear there um, and just went ham, didn't sleep, and just recorded an album. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, the music fits the cabin in the woods hardcore. Oh. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense now. Uh, is that with uh, is that where you recorded pressed up against the glass? No, that one we actually did at um, a studio in South Jersey called Gradwell House with um, an engineer named Eric McNellis, who's in a band called Sleepin. Um, but we've been working for the past ever since we recorded Same Pain. Really, we've been assembling songs for a full length that we are recording later this year. Um, and Pressed Up Against the Glass was a song that didn't quite fit into the full length once we started to like write a bunch of songs for it, but it was one of the first songs that we had written for the full length. So we decided like, okay, let's just record it by itself, get it out there so that we have something to kind of like bridge the gap between Same Pain and where we're going with this full length that we're working on. So that's where Pressed Up Against the Glass comes from. Sweet. Well, I'm going to play that now because it's like my favorite song by you guys. Oh, um, so here we go. Pressed Up Against the Glass by Nonfiction. You hear that? Mm -hmm.
against the glass No face crushed into the glass Can anyone see where we're going now? Sorry for some motion, oh I swallowed up the party There was no one left around I was the biggest, fattest baby I devoured the whole town and left alone I cried I love the violin. Thank you. It's a cello. Our friend Alyssa recorded it. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm an idiot. I don't know the difference between instruments. It, it's a cello is just bigger. Yeah. That's the big like bass kind of thing, right? It's like, like between a it's between a bass and a violin. Okay. You do you play it like standing up though, not like like a violin where you like Yeah, play. yeah. Okay. I love that, that decline. Thank you. I do that a lot in my music too. Well, end with a bunch of feedback. Yeah. Always a classic move. I love too how like the violin, or not the violin, the cello rather comes back in with like that theme that like was going yeah. through the song through the feedback. I think that's real cool. So worth the copyright claim. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, so good. I love that song. Thank um, you. 
Sweet. So let me just make this. Oh, it's not going to play again. Cool. So yeah, that was pressed up against the glass by Nonfiction, Connor's band, and you can find that on nonfictionband.bandcamp.com. So yeah, uh, go listen to it. Go go buy it or download it or whatever. I think it's up for free. So um, please download it for free. It's all yours. Yes. Take it. Um. Sweet. So yeah. Uh. That's um nonfiction. If you could trade places with any other person for a week, famous or not, living or dead, real or fictional, who would it be? Give me a second to think about that one. You know, I would trade places with like um like a Steve Albini or like a like a guy who like pr- produces records. Because like if I could have like any like dream job or whatever, like that's what I would want to do. Was like help bands record records like produce like be an engineer like that would be my thing okay cool yeah um i've recorded a couple of produ- uh with a couple of producers uh jesse cannon uh, oh, yeah i know jesse cannon cameron mazell like he did woe is me and like sleeping with sirens i think okay awesome um, and then ralph sutton no that's not ralph sutton uh dusk bennett he's a grammy award-winning engineer um so like i've recorded with three so far and they're all pretty cool um yeah i like i like recording with producers i like picking their brains and stuff um so that's pretty neat yeah i feel like working with like a guy on the outside who like can help you bring your idea to life is gonna like challenge you to make your idea better than it would be if you just did it yourself which is like for this new nonfiction record like we're assembling a team to like produce it and record it. Um, we're going to record with Joe Reinhardt, um, who's plays in hop along and is like a engineer producer who's worked on. He was an Algernon called water or however you say it. I, water. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, and he recorded, um, or engineered rather the record near my God by Foxing, which came out, uh, 2018, which is one of the best records of the past couple of years, in my opinion. Um, so we're very excited to like work with somebody who's going to like help challenge us and push us further um, than maybe we were on same pain where we just like did it ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Um, how do you know Jesse Cannon? I just know his work. Um, I know. What is it? Uh, he mixed. Um, I wish I could stay here by basement. Which is oh, right yeah, yeah. We talked about that in the show. I forgot about that one. Yeah, he did <laughs> I got, um, my one of the coolest records I have in my record collection is I have the um up here. And it's tough to see because it's so dark, but it's the like record release like screen print cover from that record from like their record release show in the UK that there's only twenty five of that I got from my girlfriend's for um uh, an anniversary gift like three or four years ago. That's badass. Sweet. Um, so how much time do you have left? I forgot uh, to ask. We can really go to whenever, whenever you feel like we're done. Uh, probably. I haven't, I still got a lot of stuff to ask you about like photography and stuff. So, um, but we'll try to push it for like an hour 30. Cool. Um, all right. So how did you get into photography? So I did video stuff since I was, you know, in my preteen years, I always like had a camcorder and would film dumb movies with my friends and shit. Um, I was always like passively interested in photography, but never really 
never really did it. There was um, a summer when I was in a band called Little Sister with some of my friends in college um, where we all worked down the shore at a restaurant and like recorded a bunch of music in my friend's basement that summer. And I like fucked around with like doing Polaroid photography a little bit then. But like, that's really all I had ever done in terms of still photography. Um, I, I one time had a friend who went to a college where he paid me to take some of his online classes. And I took like an online, like introductory to photography course for him that kind of like was like about like famous photographers and like fundamentals of photography and stuff that I thought always thought was really interesting. Um, and then uh, a band from Philly called Rich People asked me to go on tour with them for like a two or three week tour that they did in the summer of 2017. Um, it was maybe like nine months after I had started doing work for cemetery tapes. So at that point I was like mostly just doing video, but they wanted me to do some photo too. So they borrowed, um, the singer borrowed his roommates, Canon 5d Mark II um, DSLR for me and said, here you go, learn how to do photography on the sport. <laughs> And I was just like, that's, I, it was, it was kind of a, the perfect storm. Cause it was like, Oh, what else do I have to do for like two and a half weeks besides just like fucking learn how to do it, you know? So I just kind of like started there and then came home and loved the shit out of it and have never stopped. <laughs> Here's a camera, go practice. Exactly. And like, that's all, that's all it took was I just needed somebody to like say that to me <laughs> on the job experience. That's awesome. Um, sweet. So, yep. Uh, how long have you? Yep, that was going to be my next question. But it was the tour question, and I lost it. So, what else did you do on that tour? I guess uh, some video stuff, but like really just like took photos, hung out, got to like that was the first tour I had ever been on. So I got to like see how touring worked. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I spent I spent the whole almost all day every day taking pictures, or I was on my laptop in the van editing pictures. Mm -hmm. you know? So like that's that's what I did. Learn how to be a photographer. That's nuts, dude. Like, how long was that tour again? You said two weeks. It was like two and a half weeks, if I remember right. That's that's rough. Like, where all did you go? Uh, so we were from Philly, so we went down south, as south as Orlando, and then we went back up north well, then we went like out west um and like back up through like um nashville and stuff so kind of like did like a big circle you know down to florida up through the midwest and then back home that's a big tour um that's nuts yeah nashville i used to live 40 miles outside of nashville i live in murfreesboro tennessee okay um and i i'd, I'd work in nashville like almost every day so I was like, got to see a lot of cool stuff. Um, I met what's his name, Garth Brooks. <laughs> How? Um, like he did a like some kind of charity event show at this uh, this Third and Lindsley, I think it was called venue. Okay. And I had no idea who he was. I just knew he sang. He happened to sing that song. Uh, I got friends in low places, and I was okay. like, oh, I've heard that before. And it's like a old famous song, and like. I had no idea who he was or what that song was all about. I just thought it was some country song that a lot of people knew. And I was like, that's cool. And I ended up talking to the guy. Um, I had no idea who he was, but I got invited. I was there because I 
uh, one of the guys, one of my friends played that show. And so we, he got us in the green room after the show. And I ended up talking to the, you know, Garth, um, for a good 30 minutes about this like project I was working on, like balding up school bus together. And he was like, he was having a good time talking to me and everything. And I was like, I had no idea who he was. I just like, Hey man, that song was good. You know, like he's like, yeah, you know, it sold a couple copies. I'm like, I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I know I heard it before somewhere. Like, you know, I just being really, (laughs) I had no idea who he was. And like, he was like, yeah, I know it sold a couple copies, kind of like very modest, you know, about it. Like, and then I like I, I found out from a friend. He's like, "Yo, man, you were talking to Garth Brooks for like a good thirty minutes." And I was like, <laughs> "That." And he's like, "Yo, he's like a multi-million dollar artist or whatever." That's I'm and sure I, that he was like, "Yo, I love talking to this dude who like has no idea who the fuck I am." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, what? Like, really?" That's so sick. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, so I ended up like telling my parents, and they were like, they they were the same thing. You talked to Garth Brooks for thirty minutes. <laughs> like, <he> was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I had no idea. That's awesome. Um, there's this other. I was doing Uber at one point, and I had the bassist. I can't remember his name, but he's a big country artist. Um, but his back. I had the bassist for his backup band in my car as an Uber. Okay. Um, I wish I could. I could uh, what's it? It's on the tip of my brain there. Um, mm, yeah, I can't remember. But he's a big country artist. Huge. Um, something. It's like two names and his something like his his name is in it, and then like it's got some other name to go along with it. Okay. I don't know, but big country artist. But the basis for his backup band, his backing band, was in my car with his wife. And he was telling me the same thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in a band." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. What's the name?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, no, you might have heard of them. It's this so and so." And I wish I could remember the name, but um, I can't. So I don't know. I've met some pretty cool people living in Nashville, but um, I don't know. I've been to the guy who recorded the White Album for the Beatles. I've been to his house. Oh shit! Uh, what's his name? That's not George Martin, is it? I think so. I don't remember. Like. Where? I'm so dumb sometimes when I'm meeting people, but he's got a, like a, this huge house. He, his is a producer, so he's got his, his house, and then his studio is bigger than his house. <laughs> that's that's so cool. I think it had like 52 rooms in it or something. Like oh, it was a ridiculous yeah. amount. It was huge. Um, that's wild. Like so, like he's one of those guys that has a band when he records a band. It's like yeah, you can sleep in my studio. Like like seven. It's like 13 bedrooms. Two kitchens. <laughs> you can each have your own bedroom. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like it was nuts. He had like his studio, like the recording spaces were like nuts. He had like one for like each guitarist, and then like you had a whole drum recording space. It was the craziest studio I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'll probably never see one better than that. It was really cool. Um, That's awesome. we we went there for a Sennheiser thing, mm-hmm. um, like the I think the headphone people. I think they make microphones too, but um, yeah, there was a, some kind of little conference he's held there, and it was like it was all of like three people that showed up. It was me, my buddy who brought me, and then some other dude we didn't know, and then of course the you know people from Sennheiser, and then the producer himself just sat in with us, like just because we were at his place. I don't know, he sponsored the event, I guess, and nobody showed up, but 
Like we all got to sit down and like talk and have a good time and just hang out and test out the Sennheiser product that they were trying to push to us. And no, nobody bought it, but like, it was pretty cool. Um, it was some kind of like interface for like recording and like you got to do all kinds of cool stuff with it. And there was an app that went with it and it was, it was pretty cool. It was one of the coolest things I've seen, but I didn't want it. Like I don't record people. So I just went because my buddy Nick was like, yo, I want to go to this famous dude's house. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why that's why I was there. I and mean, Nick was all interested in the product because he's a he went to school for en- uh, engineering, and I, I had no idea what was going on. But <laughs> I was like, I was just sitting in this like multi million dollar house or studio, and I was like having the time of my life. Like, wow, this is like cool. Um, yeah, yeah. the guy recorded the Beatles. That was pretty neat. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's about it. Uh, so if you won the lottery, what would you do with the money? <laughs> buy more records. Oh yeah, what's the first record you'd buy? Uh, Drucks by Aphex Twin. That's probably the only record that's like a couple hundred dollars that I'm like, oh, I just can't pull myself to bring myself to pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I. I also buy um, halves. That'd be nice to not have to live in this small apartment and pay rent. I think the the I've seen this record. I can't remember what's it's called. Uh, some disease. Um, what's it? It's some disease that like eats your skin or something. Uh, it, they have this vinyl that's cut to look like a saw blade, and it you know it, it's it's really cool. It's got the etching of a saw blade. It's legit. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember. Um, gangrene, I think it is. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And one of their releases is cut like a saw blade, and it's really cool. And I wanted to buy it just for the just you know just for the aspect of having a record that was a saw blade, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't. And I, I don't think I could find it. I think it was like sold out everywhere. But yeah, um, that's like the coolest record I've ever seen. But I thought that was thought that was pretty cool. You ever been into picture discs? Like, do you have any of those? I don't think I do actually. I don't know, just nothing that I've ever won that has been, like, exclusive to Picture Disc. Um, and a lot of, like, and more, like, audiophile type people claim that, like, Picture Discs don't sound as good as normal records. So I probably would, like, not be inclined to get a Picture Disc if there's, like, a normal pressing available or whatever. I heard that, too. But then somebody explained to me what a Picture Disc actually is. And apparently it's just clear vinyl mm-hmm. with a picture pressed in between two pieces of clear vinyl. So I don't see why it wouldn't sound the same. Maybe not sound the same as 180 gram, but like standard record, it should sound technically the same as that. Yeah, makes sense. Oh. I've just never, never come across one that I've been like, oh, I need that, you know? Yeah, for real. Same thing with me. I saw one, I think, say anything I wanted to get one time, but talked myself out of it. It was like expensive and, and I was like, nah. Um, but that's about as far as it goes with picture discs for me, but I think they're cool. I just don't have the money for them. Yeah, I feel that. But yeah, talk about Lynn of the Water. It'd be like, yeah, I'd buy a bunch of picture discs, just hang them up on the wall. <laughs> There's not one there? Oh, cool. Bootleg it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd start my own pressing plan. If I, that's what I would do if I won the lottery. I'd start a pressing plan. There you go. Make my own records. That would be pretty sick. It's, you'd probably make a lot of money. Probably. Um, I would try to um, work for the pressing plant 
plant in New Jersey. And that's that's gotta be an awesome job. Like I imagine it smells like plastic though. I could Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure it's hot and it reeks, but like if you're passionate about that shit, like that's gotta oh, be like for real. Yeah, if you can deal with the plastic smell. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like I'd like to try working there. That'd be cool. Just working with vinyl records would be really cool. Especially if it was tapes. I'd love to work with tapes. Um but yeah, I worked in a plastic plant once and like the smell of burning plastic was so intense. It, I just couldn't do it. I didn't make it like I didn't make it halfway through a 12 hour shift. I left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was intense. Uh, so moving on, what are your goals for the next few years? Um, so nonfiction would like I would like to start taking nonfiction a lot more seriously. We're like working on this full length and like the plan is like we're going to record this full length and then we're going to try to like really go for it with it. Like we bought a van last year. We've got like what we need to like get out there and like really like spend months on ends touring. We just need like a release to like have to back. You know what I mean? So that's really what I want to be doing. All right. What about with cemetery tapes? Just keep filming shows. You know, if it would go hand in hand, if it if nonfiction started touring more, I could just film the shows that we play. You know what I mean? So like, I I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. I've been doing it like continuously for like going on like three years now, and I just I just love doing it. I do it because I enjoy doing it, not because like I'm getting something out of it. And like that's another thing is like I really love filming like my friends bands or like bands that like don't have anything out yet and are only going to get like 50 views on the video because like, I really just want to like help facilitate people who don't have like a means to like get shit out. Otherwise like help them just get stuff out there. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you plan to do more like sessions like maybe like audio tree live does stuff like that? Um, I really like doing acoustic sessions. Like if I had my way, like that's where my primary focus would be would be just doing like acoustic sessions. Um, and this year I made a goal for myself to put out uh, a new acoustic session with an artist every week for the whole year. So I'm on track to film over 52 individual uh, artists, acoustic sessions. Each one would have like two to four songs. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, if, if nonfiction started to do more stuff in theory, I would have more connections to do acoustic sessions with like more artists. You know what I mean? Okay. Neat. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I'd love to, love to see that happen for you. Um, yeah. I know that recording you know, scheduling stuff can be hard because you know, sometimes people drop out or things don't work out the way it would. So like, how do you, are you going to like, uh, have a back, uh, back page of back page? Um, a backlog of uh, like videos, like record maybe like two a week or what's, what's your plan? I do have a back. I have a backlog now. I spent like all of January and February filming like three or four acoustic sessions a week. So I like collected like 25 or 30 sessions, like by the time the end of February hit. So like, it's been nice because like this quarantine shit's been going on, but I still have like content to continually be releasing stuff until like the end of June. So like, I, yeah, I do the same thing with the show, man. Like I record when I can and then like, try to do i try to do like two a week so like um at least two like at least two a week but if i do one a week i have a backlog so like this actually won't come out for like four weeks from now mm -hmm. like uh, i'm all set if i if i go one week without recording anything somehow like like it's set like i don't have to worry about a lapse in the schedule or anything you know mm -hmm. 
try to be prepared. So that's awesome that you do that too. In the same way, I'm I'm, I'm very much a schedule oriented person, so like it just makes sense for me. That's how I that's how I prefer to do it. I'd be stressed out all the time if I was like, oh shit, I need to find something to film this week so I can put it out on Friday. You know what I mean? Oh, for real, dude. Like I tried doing that and it just didn't work out. I ended up having anxiety attacks. And it's like, nope, nope, nope. There's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. So I was like looking up videos like how to. It's like be. Th- think like i found out about upload schedules uh particularly when i was like looking up how to basically get famous on youtube and like they had a list of things and the biggest thing i remember it was like upload schedule and like just having having a backlog or like even if you don't have a backlog just putting stuff on time every time like every week mm-hmm. and i think they said like two two times a week is like optimal and um and if you can't do every day at least twice a week would be good and so I was like, all right, I'm going to do that Mondays and Fridays. So that's what I do. And uh, it's uh, it's working out okay, I guess. Yeah. Slow up there. But uh, sweet. Uh, using a scale of 1 to 10, rate yourself on how weird you are. Uh, six, slightly above average. I used to be a lot weirder, but I, I think I've mellowed out a little bit over the years. Or maybe I've just become more comfortable with the person I am. I don't know. What do you mean you used to be weirder? Like, you know, when I was in high, looking back on like high school or whatever, like I was like wearing like a baggy ass Lamb of God t shirt with my double chain wallet and my carpenter pants. Like, I was very much like a, I don't want to say like outcast because like I never felt like I got like bullied or whatever, but like just very much kind of like weird doing my own thing. Um, and the older I got, I think maybe the more. I've like I've obviously changed to become a different person, but I've also like become more comfortable just like being that person and not feeling like that makes me weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, about the same with me. I used to wear like nothing but black clothes. I never like I didn't get too hard into it. I just like black. A lot of times when I was in high school, I'd like there'd be there'd be a lot of days where like um I'd actually wear like a full suit to school. die and everything and people would be like yeah why you like dress up like that i was like i don't know it makes me feel cool fuck off um and i just like like slacks white shirt black tie you know just full so it's full out like everything but a tux and (laughs) and like i just do that and it made me feel cool i don't know why it was just cool to dress nice and uh definitely made me stand out and i don't know it's, it's weird but I just like doing that. So that was my thing. Um, I was always on the radio station and stuff when I was in school. So I think I'd like to dress professional and stuff. And I was like the sweater vest style. I thought that was neat. <laughs> but um, like I actually ended up going to this place called Job Corps where you actually had to dress professional to go to school every day. And I, I like I was like they had a sweater vest option and I was the only kid that ever wore it, but I was like, I got known for the guy who wore the sweater vest. Just <laughs> um, for success, you know, that's what they say. Yeah, it was, it was, it was rad. Like I fit in well there because I dressed the same way every day, and like everybody did. They had you always had to wear a certain uniform for whatever we were in. And I was in welding, so I didn't always have to dress nice. I just had to wear. Um, depends on what class you had that day, but. If I was on welding for a week, I'd you know I'd wear jeans and a t-shirt, you know the welding t-shirt. But whenever I was in the school part of it, I was in the uh, sweater vest and everything else. So I like. You were saying you work on five G networks now. Is that what you do now? You like do like welding and shit for like 
Uh, I wish I did welding right now. I don't. Um, I went to school for welding, and I did welding for a while, uh, on and off for like the past ten something years. Um, I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not currently welding right now. I'm doing more tech stuff. Like I work in cell towers and stuff. Okay. I don't work on the cell towers. I don't climb towers. I I work on the uh, equipment. Okay. The cell stuff. Um, particularly the five G fiber stuff. I do a lot of fiber testing now. And uh, it's it's uh, rough, but I get it done, and it's not the worst job I've ever done. Yeah, it's just very monotonous uh, and boring. Um, I'd much rather be welding, but I can't right now. So, doing five G. There you go. Don't get cancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been a ham radio guy for a while. So if if radio waves really do cause cancer, I I don't think they do. Uh, radio has been around for a long time. I mean, so there's no studies on it. Uh, well, there are studies on it actually that, you know, say it doesn't, but, um, yeah, if, if it, if it does, I'm going to get it. Cause I'm around so much fun. I'm around so much, uh, radio waves. I, I'm a ham radio guy. I'm always on the radio. Um, I, what else do I do? Radio waves. Uh, you know, I do 5g. <laughs> so, I mean, if anybody's going to get it, it's going to be me, but. <laughs> I'm, I don't believe in all that stuff that it causes cancer and it doesn't make sense from the studies. And, uh, yeah, it's like the people are saying a lot of people have misinformation, like saying like 5g is microwaves and it's, it's not, it's not even close to that. To, it's close, but it's not microwaves. It's not even ionizing radiation. So it's just like, there's a lot of misinformation you can find out there. If you look up 5g on the band plan, it's like, some people say it's here. Some people say it's here and it's, it's more like here. It's, I don't know. There's so much people just spreading this information about 5G. It's it's insane. Um, I don't know. That's about all I have to say about that. But look it up. I guess look it up. Uh, try to decide what's right for yourself and based off of you know valid information. But yeah. Um. So what's what song would you say best describes you? This could be like any song. What one of your own? Can I tell you what my favorite song is? I guess that would... Yeah, I guess so. So There's this song called I Must Belong Somewhere by Bright Eyes um, that is just like a list of like... It's just like a list of things and like observations. Like there's no... There's no like I in the song. It's just like here's like a list of like things that like I saw. And for me, like that song is really powerful because like it really speaks to like the philosophy I have of like how everything is so beautiful. If you just like stop and like look at it that way, you know? Yeah. I think my favorite song by bright eyes is, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's okay. We can still be friends or something like that. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's an older one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, I have it, it's, like, I think it's only available on vinyl. Like, you can get a digital recording of it, but I'm pretty sure it's a vinyl rip. Okay. Um, like, I have it on vinyl. I have the, the vinyl it came on. It's like a four disc LP. Um, can't remember what it's called. I think it's just Bright Eyes, but, um, it's, it's okay. It's cool. We can still be friends is the name of the song. And it's like an acoustic with the dude just singing, uh, really sad lyrics about like breakup, a breakup. Mm-hmm. And the girl, like, I think cheating on him and dishing him for other people. It's just so sad, but I love that song. And then there's another one he's got on that same LP, which is, 
the trees go leaning away or something, rolling away, something like that. And then uh, airplane, or what's it, flight school or something? Um, I don't know. I don't. I haven't heard of his, like his more mainstream stuff. I like his older stuff that's like not well known. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of the name of that song. Air air. No, it's, it has to do with airplanes. Um, air show. Air show something. Um, but yeah, like I wish I could show you. It's not. It's like over there, and I don't want to like get off off the camera. But the vinyl is really cool. It's just standard black vinyl, but the the whole album is just beautiful. Um, it's not a bad song on that that uh, release. Is it the um, is it the release? It's called like a collection of songs from like X year to like X year kind of thing. Is that I record? No, so. yeah, I think the the main album art is a flower. Okay. Uh, remember I have, it's been a while since i've actually played the nlp but i got it just because that one song it's cool we can still be friends mm-hmm. and i like listened to it all and i was like wow this is a good purchase um that was hard to get too it's like really hard to find i think i finally found it on like absolute punk or whatever and okay. then uh, i bought it from there and i was like yo i got it and but That's i looked at it for like two years um but yeah I don't know. Uh, so, you ever have any stranger, crazy experiences? Uh, uh, give me some direction, like in terms, like what kind of stranger, crazy experiences? Um, I think I don't know. Just like homeless people walking up to you and doing crazy shit, you know, stuff like crazy stuff, like huh. um, you know, ghost experiences would be another one. But you said already, you, you don't have any of those. Uh, just just crazy stories you've heard. Just uh. Yeah, I'm not good at explaining this stuff. Yeah, that's a tough one. Let me think. Let me think about that one. We'll come back to it. If that's cool. So uh, I have to look, rack my brain and think about something interesting. All right. Um, so, how does working for No Hope Records affect your personal life? Um, I get to like. How does it affect my personal life? Is I just get to like meet, you know, meet more people and make more friends. Um, if anything, I feel like it doesn't affect my personal life a whole lot, but I feel like it affects my creative life a lot in the sense that, like, it's really fun and satisfying for me to, like, just help people get their music out. Like, it's the same thing I do with Cemetery Tapes, you know what I mean? Like, I was saying, like, I just want to, like, film my friend's friend's band who's just starting up and, like, hasn't even recorded yet. Like, I just want to film an acoustic session with them and help them get, like, their song, like, out somewhere. Like, it's the same thing with, like, working with No Hope Records. Like, I just, like, someone has a song, but they don't know what they want to do for the cover. So, like, I'm just here to help them see their vision and bring it to life. And, like, that's all that I ever want to do is just, like, help facilitate other people's art, you know? Yeah, I try to do the same thing with PKC, like, with the whole cassette thing. Um, definitely try to help people get, you know, to a platform that it's, uh, you know, they it's not as hard to get a you know cassette out, but it's it's not as cheap as like if you pay for dubbing and everything, it's pretty expensive. Like I can do it for pretty cheap, so I like try to give people the access to you know something that's DIY and all that kind of stuff, but good quality at the same time. You know, like uh, you're doing the same thing like here, like interviewing people. You know what I mean? You're just uh, like yeah, you're helping give me a voice, and you're helping give everybody else a platform to talk about their shit, and like that's. I think it's cool that there are people like you and me who are like their passion is to help other people, you know, for real dude. That's always been the goal. 
um, try to help people the best I can without having to pay for stuff. It's like, it's hard, but this is like the show. Like, I don't have, that doesn't cost me a dime. So like do what I can try to get, you know, people attend, uh, pay attention to it. It's even harder, but you know, just giving people the, the op, the platform, I guess, helps anybody, you know, cause some mm-hmm. people see it. So that's what I try to do. Have a good time and help people out. I couldn't agree more. I see it the exact same way. Awesome. Yeah, man. Um, are you able to think of any questions? Cause I'm running out, we're running out of time here, but, uh, any, uh, stranger crazy experiences. Oh, man. What? If not, it's fine, man. I understand. Yeah, I really, I, nothing comes to mind immediately that's like, oh, that would be a funny story to tell. So I well, think that's it's- another question I have, but uh, we'll ask that in a second. But do you have any interesting impressions or talents you want to share? I'm incredibly bad at impressions. So I do not have, <laughs> there are no interesting impressions. I am like, all my friends make fun of me for how bad I am at impressions. So that is my impression. Sounds like you have some, though, that I want to hear. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. There's uh, my my Irish accent. Everybody likes to make fun of me when I try to sound like an Irishman, eh? All right, Jacksepticeye. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I got. All right, cool. Um, what are some certain difficulties that come with uh, running a YouTube channel besides the copyright claim thing? Um, difficulties, I guess, like for me, sometimes the hardest part is like, I wouldn't call it social anxiety, but maybe like social laziness where it's like, okay, like here's a show that like is on my radar that like, I want to go out and film. And like, sometimes it's just hard for me to like make myself get out the fucking door and do it. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. like every time I do, when I walk through the door and I set up my camera and I'm there filming, like it's fine. But like, just that, like sometimes waking up in the morning and being like, okay, like this is a thing that I'm doing this evening. Like that, yeah. can, you know, I'm the same way with like editing the show. Like as soon as this is done, I'm going to the store to get an Amazon gift card and like my meds and stuff. And then I got to like come home and like edit this. I'm like not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm the dude with photography. Like I, I, I mostly in the past year, like shifted to focus like on film photography and I'm really big into that world just cause like, when I first started learning, like I obviously did digital photography and learned like in Lightroom and like the Adobe products. And then just like very quickly was like, man, I spending three hours like editing pictures I took at the show just like fucking melts my brain. Like, yeah. and then doing wedding, like I've done wedding photography, I've worked for a wedding photography business, I should say for the past couple of years, like doing their editing. So like, I'm like, they'll give me like a wedding they shot with 5,000 pictures and it'll be my job to sit there and look through all of them and pick the good ones and then edit them. And it's just like fucking mind numbing. You know what I mean? That's got to be rough too. Cause you get to figure out the pictures that you think they'd like too. That see, that's the thing that's hard about it is cause like they know what they like because they took the pictures, but me, I didn't take the pictures. So I'm just taking my best guess at it. So like a lot of times we would come to a head and be like, I should maybe not come to a head, but they'd be like, yeah, I'm like disappointed in like, my work or whatever. And I'd be like, I'm really trying my best. It's just like, I can't, I don't see this the same way that you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure it was like, you submit it, submit them your work. And then you were like, well, why isn't this in there? Like, oh, mm-hmm. You told me to pick. So I, I don't know that I'd be able to do that. I used to DJ weddings and that wasn't enough stress for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm now that the, um, this is the time of year that I would like start working for that business again, because 
it kind of like has the off season during the winter because people don't really get married and they only have a couple weddings and they can handle those themselves. They don't need outside help. But like now that the everybody's in lockdown, everybody's wedding is canceled. Like I'm, I doubt that I'll be getting called back to work for him this year, which is totally fine. Like, cause I was feeling like I was kind of over it anyway, over it anyway. So, yeah, it's a whole lot of work for little, uh, little appreciation. Um, alrighty. Uh, so I guess we'll end up here. What's the funniest thing that happened to you recently or just in general? Man, funniest thing. <laughs> I'm looking at my girlfriend across the room being like, do you have any suggestions? And just, she just looked at me with a face like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess it's not funny at all. It really was just kind of awful and sad. But my fucking kitten ate a foot long piece of yarn a couple weeks ago. Um, that we then had to rush him to the vet for and get an x-ray and do a bunch of shit. And I was worried that I was sitting there online doing research every day, being like, what happens if my kitten eats a bunch of yarn? And they're all like, oh, well, if it gets in this digestive tract, it's going to like fuck up his digestive tract and you'll have to spend thousands of dollars to get surgery. And so I was all stressed about that. Um, And then a week later, he just threw it up. So it's not funny, but like (laughs) it was something that happened. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, my buddy was telling me about his cat ate like, uh, you know, the packaging of a cigarette thing, cigarette pack. Oh no, the plastic. Yeah. his cat ate that. And he was all worried. He was going to have to spend like a couple thousand on like surgery. And turns out, I guess like it would he either passed it or just never ate it because like he said, he, he said he like moved the couch and everything to find it. And he just assumed his cat ate it. But I was like, dude, your cat didn't eat it. And that sounds dumb. Why would your cat eat plastic? <laughs> my cat loves to bite plastic but he never eats it he like just bites it but i want this string i watched him slurp it down or my girlfriend i should say watched him slurp it down so like there was no doubt that he consumed <laughs> that's crazy all righty um so yeah man i'll give you a shot to shout out whatever you want and plug all the stuff you do again sure uh my name's connor rothstein um i run a youtube channel called cemetery tapes where i film shows and acoustic sessions and musicians and things like that. Um, I do photography, um, mostly film photography and my Instagram account where you can see that stuff is I'm at Connor Rothstein, C O N N O R R O T H S T E I N. Um, I'm the creative director at an independent record label in Philly called no hope records, which you can just look it up. We have a website, we have social media, all that shit. Um, and I play in two bands called Wild Dust and Nonfiction, and they're both on Spotify and Bandcamp and all kinds of streaming goodness. So that's Fantastic. All right. Um, the only thing I want to shout out is Crom 2s on Twitter. That's at Crom, C-R-O-M underscore twos. Hit him up if you want some good character art or uh, any kind of art, graphic design, at Crom 2s on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so Connor, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, as I rock back and forth and, but yeah, like it's been awesome. So thank you so much. Um, everybody, this is Connor Rothstein of cemetery tapes. He, which is a YouTube channel based on filming musicians, playing their music. Connor is also in two bands, which he just said wild dust and nonfiction, as well as being the creative director of no hope records. Everybody, this is the, Hey, how's it going show? Thank you so much for having me. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) That's awesome.